Awesome. You did a great job this morning, Tori. Wonderful. Like, great energy, isn't it? And where's young Trenton? Where's that energy ball? You want to come up and do that again for us? Fabulous. Just fabulous. Good morning, church. It's great to see you all here. Just find my spot. Now, if, you're, um, if you are new here, uh, my name is Paul Edlin, one of the pastors here, and it's a very, very warm welcome to you. Love to catch up with you after the service uh, in the cafe, and now that Trenton, where, oh, there he goes, because if you're new here, not only do you get a little chocolate on that card, but he's going to shout you a tasty. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, fantastic. Anyway, we'd love to see you in the cafe after, um, after the service. Um, if you've got your um, Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to continue our series on the Holy Spirit that we've been doing for the last four weeks now. Um, and, and specifically, this is kind of in preparation for when John Ferguson comes next weekend, um, because... When, when he's here, but he's a visiting ministry, and he, and he speaks around New Zealand and overseas as well. But what, what we have been wanting to do and trying to do is for when he arrives here, that your understanding of the Holy Spirit will not just be in your head, but in your heart. So when John comes to minister, because I, I, I've, some of you have experienced his ministry before, I haven't. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to it, and I've been speaking with him on the phone, and he'll be staying at our house um, while he's here. I'm sure we'll get to know him really well. But what I do know is this man carries something that we need, yeah? He carries something in his spirit, and we need it. So I want to come prepared. I want to have open hands, metaphorically speaking. I want to have an open heart. I want to come not with my preconceived ideas about who I think the Holy Spirit is, or if I've had a negative experience in the past, and some of you have. Isn't that true? Yeah? Yeah? We all have it some, to some degree. But I don't want that to be an impediment to what God is wanting to do next Sunday or next weekend. I want to be open. And apparently, according to the elders, that we can trust this man's ministry implicitly. So if you're um, here next weekend, invite you to uh, the Saturday. It's open to the whole church on the Saturday. And then on Sunday, John will be speaking specifically on Sunday in the area of healing. Yeah? yeah. Healing. So that's right across the whole metric. Emotional, physical, spiritual, right across. He'll be speaking about healing. I'm very much uh, looking uh, forward to that. But for your information too, those of you that are part of this church, you would know this. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, that's actually um, one of the four focus areas in the church's vision, isn't it? Being increasingly Spirit-led. Yeah, that's what you agreed to last year. So they tell me. Is that true? Yeah, so that's what we're doing. Okay, we're looking at Acts chapter 2. Before we get into that, just let me pray. Spirit of God, as Tori said this morning, we welcome your presence and we know that you're here. We know that you're here in your positional presence because where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst of us. So we know that. But Lord, I'm not just talking about your positional presence. 
I'm talking about your manifest presence. The presence of God that comes into each one of us and begins to do work, a work in us so that you can work through us. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we're longing for. That's what we're wanting to see. So we welcome your presence in Jesus' name. So let's just read Acts chapter 2. My, I've got a new Bible app and I'm trying to get used to it so if I get lost, I'll probably borrow yours. Here we are, Acts chapter 2, NIV. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. In other words, the tongues were not gobbledygook. They were genuine languages that some people could understand. Hold that thought. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, the Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Didn't I say that all well? Wasn't that just awesome? Shall I do it again? <laughs> That's kind of like speaking in tongues, isn't it? Um, where was I? Cretans and Arabs. Not Cretans, by the way. Cretans. Yeah. Uh, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Did you notice that? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Definite article there. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire. And, and this is yet to come, this part of it, by the way. This has not happened. These few verses at the end, that is yet to happen. Okay, got that? Um, I'll read it again. The sun will be, uh, I will show wonders in the heavens uh, above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. I haven't seen that yet. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. I haven't seen that either. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And listen to this. And everyone, everyone say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Someone shout out hallelujah. Yeah, absolutely. We're alive this morning. My goodness, wonderful. Okay. Acts 2 
Let me explain a few things. This is in preparation for what God is wanting to do next week, or hopefully this morning as well, by the way, but for when uh, John comes next week. Um, Acts 2 is the first New Testament example of the Holy Spirit's corporate impartation. The corporate impartation. Um, We know in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit came on certain people for certain things. For example, um, Samson. It was the Spirit's power in him that allowed him to do what he did. Um, Who would be another one? Deborah. When Deborah went before the king, I mean, her life was, she took her life in her own hands and said, take me out if you want. But filled with the Holy Spirit, she talked to the king who agreed with what she said. And as a result of that, the whole nation was set free. You can't do that humanly. You can't. And there are many examples in the Old Testament. Abizalel, who was tasked with um, um, creating all the infrastructure or the hardware, if you like, for the temple. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He did incredible creative things, gifts that he did not have before. But if he did have them before, God just brought them to the surface and away he went. See, this is what God does. But this phenomenon was entirely the initiative of God. Entirely the initiative of God. Acts 1.1 says, uh, this first account I made, O Theophilus, was about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. But folks, what God began to do and teach in Acts chapter 1, he con- continues to do through his people, the body, the church, today. He continues to do that. See, I said this three weeks ago. Please listen to this again. God has no plan B. You know what his plan is? The church. We are IT. We're it. You're it. I'm it. We're all it. We're all it. There's no plan B. You know, when Peter spoke, as we just read, he quoted Joel 2, 28 to 32, as now having been fulfilled at Pentecost, and that was certainly true. But if you go back a bit further into the Old Testament, see, the Old Testament unfolds the new. Yeah? It's a reference for what Jesus was going to do. So we we do need to reference the Old Testament. Don't cut it out of your Bible. It's really important. It's a reference. If you go back to uh, a bit further back to Jeremiah, God's earlier promise through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, 31 to 31, 31 to 33 says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, there it is, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now we know that um, in the old covenant, the Mosaic law was, was administered externally. But now that's what it tells us now that he will come and live in you. He will come and live in me. What was external before now becomes internal. He's in us. If you've given your life to following Jesus, if you're here this morning, and I'm assuming that's the majority of you, he lives in you. You carry him wherever you go. 
Now, if you're here this morning and you haven't made that commitment, I'd love to talk with you afterwards. Because Jesus wants to come and live in you. Yeah. This new covenant that Jesus introduced would be internalized. His law, not written on stone, but on our minds and on our hearts. And as a result, God was now going to do through his people what they could never do in and of themselves. How? What's the second element of Jeremiah's prophecy? Where he declared that there would be a new power. I will be their God and they will be my people. That tells us God himself is the source of our strength. God himself is the source of whatever we do with the gifts of the Spirit that he gives us. It comes from him. It's his power. It's not yours, and it's certainly not mine. Jeepers, you wouldn't want mine. I'd mess it up every time, and so would you. It's what he does in us, Tory, so that he can do it through us. Like you this morning, up there on the stage. It's wonderful, eh? It's exciting stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And you had your little fella up there. I mean, this is family, isn't it? This is just kind of normal. That's what Jesus would have done. He would have had your son up there too, and he would have said, this is Tory's boy. Yeah, that's what he would have done. You see, church, we are the ones through whom the power is made manifest in our current world. It's not you or me trying to do something for God, but God doing something for me and in me, so that he can work through me. No plan B, we are IT. You're it, Christine, my darling, you're it, my wife that is. God's going to use you. Denise, going to use you more, more. Isn't that awesome? That the God of the universe, Denise, would choose you to work through you. Isn't that incredible? It's absolutely amazing. And that's true for all of us if we are followers of Jesus. You know, when I look, um, when I look back in my earlier life before I became a Christian, I think, good grief, why would God use me? I mean, how could he do that, Robert? If you knew my history, you'd think, you wouldn't use me, believe me, you would not. But here's the thought, I wouldn't use you either. But God will. When we come before him, open hands, open heart, open mind, contrite heart, contrite spirit, and say, God, here I am, use me. Zoe, he absolutely will. Yes, he will. We are the ones through whom his power is manifest to a dying and decaying world. We are the ones. And there's one other important point here before I get to the main point of this message. To be aware of, regard how the Holy Spirit operates. How we connect with God is not a one-size-fits-all kind of deal. It's not like that. There are different ways that the Holy Spirit um, works um, in and through each one 
of us. And much of that is determined usually by our gifting, our personality, the way that God has wired, wired us. Some people are more introverted, not that they're less than in any sense, but they're more introverted, so God will speak to them quietly. There may be people that are more on the other side, like the uh, more, more, more extroverted. You know, maybe you're the type of person that needs a bit of action to kind of get you going. You know, and, and everywhere in between. So the way you're wired and understanding the way you're wired is really, really important. Um, uh, last Monday, um, uh, because, because the weather is getting a little bit better, I'm starting to get out walking again because I used to do it a lot in Wellington. You know what I've noticed here in Christchurch, um, weather-wise, that you don't get in Wellington. Um, you, I mean, when the, when the grey clouds set, they're here for about four or five days, aren't they? Like today, that never happens in Wellington. It's about the only thing it's got going for it. The wind comes along and blows it all away, and then the sun comes out again. But it's kind of, I'm trying to get used to this, you know, Brenda. And, and so I'd be walking pretty much every day up there, and I've got this regime that I had. That they're coming down here, and it's different because oh, I'm looking outside and think, no, I'd rather sit down and have a cup of coffee to sit at home. You know what it's like? Um, um, what's the point? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, so, so it was a lovely day on Monday, so I got my gear on and I shot out there around uh, Bottle Lake because we live close to it. And, I'm, and I've, got, got my, I've got an iPad and all my music, iPod, sorry, all my music's playing and all the stuff that, that I enjoy. Um, and, uh, and I'm walking through all the trees and all that stuff out there. And I'm thinking, while I'm listening to this music, I'm thinking about this morning, I'm thinking about this particular message. And all of a sudden, just as I'm listening to the song, and thinking about today, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just came around me, and there was this download from heaven, and I knew exactly what I was going to speak on this morning, and that's what God will do. So for me, being out there in that kind of environment, that's a connection point. And all of a sudden, the song that I was listening to, by the way, which was Elle Stewart, Year of the Cat... I mean, this is real music. You can understand the words at least. Um, all of a sudden, that was kind of in the background and the Spirit of God was just speaking and boom, boom, boom. And he was showing me things about some of you individually that are here, which we should talk about, but not today. Just kidding. You see, that's how it works for me. I can be out in, the, uh, out in nature because I like, I like hunting and that kind of stuff. I haven't done it for a while, but I'm, anyway, um, time will come when I will. But I can be out there in, just in nature, just, you know, going out after a whatever, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will just start talking to me about, a, about um, something or a concept or a message, or just, and, and, and it just all of a sudden the, the, the air smells different, the trees look greener, and if a deer happens to go across my crosshairs, well, I'll take him out as well. I say it's a gift from God, you know, but that's how it works for me. How does it work for you? Christine, how does it work for you? Water, anything around water. Yeah, yeah, the shower. <laughs> Not so much the shower. Some, some people preach messages in the shower because they, they connect that way. Anyone else? What about you, Don? Yeah, nature. Being out there in nature. Yeah. Anyone else? Yep. Ellen? Sorry? Lying in bed. Okay. Yeah, lying in bed. Works for him. Works for him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 I totally understand it. Not the lying in bed part, but the getting the message part. Absolutely. See, understanding how we are wired, understanding your personality is really, really important to understanding God. Because He made you. And if you understand how He's wired you, then you're going to connect with Him just like that. Do you understand that? So don't try and hide from the fact that you might have a quieter personality or a louder personality. If God has wired you that way, then run with that. Run with that, church. Discover how God has wired you. Understand how he speaks to you. And go with that. Back to Acts 2. For the early church in Acts, just explaining this, can you imagine when they were in the upper room and um, they said the sound like the rushing of a mighty wind um, came in. Could you imagine what that, what that was like, that experience? Could you imagine how mind-blowing that must have been? See, this, there we go. There's the Holy Spirit right there, just getting our attention. Yeah. Can you imagine the scene? Do you, do you realize that the disciples during that time, Jesus had um, left, they'd said goodbye to him on Mount Olivet. They stood there and they watched him physically leave the earth in physical form and disappear into the clouds. He'd already said his goodbyes and he told them before he left uh, what he wanted them to do. They were the early church, they were the beginnings of, of what we call church. And he said to them, essentially, and I'll paraphrase it for you, occupy until I return because you are it now. Occupy the earth. Take my message right across the globe. That's what he told them. And then he disappeared. Well, I reckon about that point when I would have seen the person that I'd given my life to, I'd sold everything or I'd given up my job and I was following him and I was doing all of that stuff, all of a sudden this, this person that I'd relied upon, he disappears and leaves me. Imagine how they must have felt. Well, it's no wonder they all went into the upper room. We know it's about 120 of them, because that's what the Bible says, so I guess it's right. They went into the upper room. Do you know what they were doing in the upper room? Apart from um, praying, we'll get to that in a minute. You know what they were doing, what I believe they were doing? They were hiding. Because they knew that once Jesus had gone, that the Romans were out to get them, and if they had have identified who they were, they probably would have executed them. So they're all in the upper room hiding. But while they were in the upper room hiding, they did something. They were all with one accord in prayer, continuously praying. And on day 50, after 49 days, with, with one accord in prayer, on day 50, all of a sudden, they had what proved to be a visitation from God. And listen to this. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them that ability. On the 50th day, God's mani manifest presence turned up and everything changed on that day they changed 
their corporate life changed, the church changed, and their community changed. So much did everything change on that day that it impacted the entire city, and that changed. Let me explain all of that in one sentence to you. What God was doing in them, he now did through them, and it affected everything else around them. Someone say amen. Do you believe that what happened for the disciples in Acts, that God will and is still willing to do today? Do you believe that? You know, something that Hannah Cossey said last week in her message, how we experience the Holy Spirit is determined by what we believe about him today. Now, we know it happened because it's recorded in history. So if you believe history and if you believe in him, well, here's the deal. He wants to work through you today. That's pretty simple. He wants to work through you today. One main point. For the Holy Spirit to manifest in power, unity is absolutely essential. We see that in this passage. I want to talk into this is crucial to moving forward together as a church, as a body, all on the same page, all singing from the same song sheet, as one person said, swinging from the same tree, all in the boat, picking up a paddle, each one of us, and rowing to the degree that we can, all in the same direction. The early church was unified in prayer and purpose. Uh, verse 14, uh, 114 tells us that the early believers, about 120 of them, had, for, for, as I said, 49 days been together constantly in prayer. That word constantly, by the way, doesn't mean that they, they just prayed 24-7, didn't eat, didn't sleep, didn't do anything like that. It means that in that group, there was somebody praying all the time. So they were team tagging, you know, because sometimes you've just got to have a bit of a rest, don't you? And you've got to eat, go and eat. You might have to have a shower or something. See, so, yeah, well, you can pray there as well, because Christine does apparently. But, but it doesn't mean that they were constantly in prayer. They had to have sustenance as well. So God's very practical. It just means that they were kind of, you know, we're, on the way out the door, it was a high five, your turn kind of thing. And it was, that's what it means constantly in prayer. The word together, though, is the key word here. There was among them a wonderful unity that bound them together. This unity wasn't something they had created because nowhere in Scripture are we asked from Genesis to Revelation, absolutely nowhere in Scripture are we asked to create unity. Did you know that? You won't find it. We are never asked to create unity. But we are asked to keep it. Ephesians 4.3. There it is. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So here's the thing. When the Spirit of God begins to move in ways that we desire to see, want to see, believe we need to see, the stuff that I'm talking about, the stuff that uh, Hannah talked about last week and the week before that, uh, Ian Froud, 
when, when, when that begins to move, some things will happen that are outside of your sphere of reference. Now, here's the thing. Is it God or is it not? Is it God? And I think that's a good question. Because God will do things outside of what we think is normal. That does not mean that it's not God. doesn't mean that. But here's, here's what I want you to hear. If what we see happening is not consistent with Jesus' warm compassion for people and his sane humanity, then you can dismiss it. See, Jesus always put people first. And whatever he did was the purpose of what he did was to see that one set free, healed, restored. So let me give you an example in the, um, excuse me, in the New Testament. You know the guy, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus healed the, the guy, um, the pool of Siloam, put the mud in his eye, was that the one? Yeah. Okay. When Jesus healed, healed that guy, um, this, this fellow had been blind, I think, from birth. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Robert is our registered Bible scholar here. Wonderful man. Yeah, you read it today. Did you read it today? Awesome, mate. Well, there we go. So that's how God works. I didn't know that. So get the picture. So this guy's been blind from birth. Jesus comes along and sees this fellow there. And he says to him, and I paraphrase it, um, uh, 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 so you're blind. He said, yep, yep, been blind from whatever. And, and, and the Pharisee said, well, it's because there's a curse on his life from his parents or something like that. So it's the parents' fault. Well, it wasn't, by the way, but that's what they thought. So Jesus then kneels down, spits in, and this is a bit gross, I know, but never mind, spits in the, in the dust and, and, and made, made this little mud poultice type thing with his saliva and the mud, the dust that was there, and then he picks it all up and he puts it in the guy's eyes and he rubs it in hard like that, and then he says, now go and wash in the pool and you'll be healed. So the guy does that, and he goes and washes and takes all the stuff away, this gunk away, and he, he could only see people like they look like trees because it was a bit blurry. So he had to go do it again. Okay, you're with me. That's actually not the point. Here's the point that I want to make. Why didn't Jesus just say, be healed? That's one reason. Why? why I mean, if it was me, I would have just gone and said, your sight be restored. Boom. And you're going to see again. But he didn't do that. It was about the guy's faith, but I think it was more than that. I think it was much more than that. I think because when it comes to healing, we want a formula. And healing is not a formula. Jesus did something right outside the box. Not because he couldn't say, your sight be restored, because he could but I think he was also showing us that he will do things that are right outside our purview. And if you don't understand what it is before you throw the baby out with the bathwater, just stop for a few seconds and ask yourself this question. Is that you, God, or is that man? Just stop and do that before you make a judgment call. Just stop and do that. 
You see, I think when it comes to this stuff, that, that we, can, we, 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 we get so locked into, it must be done this way or that way or that way, or that's the way I've been used to, anything outside of that is wrong, and immediately we sideline God. Now, it may well be, it may well be that what is happening is more human than divine. Well, here's my experience with that. Whenever there is a move of the presence of God, you will always get the human and the divine mixed up together. You always will. That's because you're here. We're human. But that does not stop God from moving. It doesn't. Christy, ah, it is you. You know, I was sharing just before when I was out walking. And this, this download came. And you're the picture that I had. It was you. I said, God, what is it that you're wanting to say here? And Al Stewart was singing Year of the Cat. And I'm looking at you in the spirit. And I'm hearing what the Lord says. And I believe the Lord wants you to hear this morning. Christy, I see you. I see you. That means something, doesn't it? I see you, my daughter, my child. That's what God showed me. He also showed me, actually, we should talk privately afterwards. But it involves travel for you. It involves that. Amazing, eh? I said, God, what is this? He explained it to me, and I'll explain it to you afterwards in the cafe. But those words, Christy, I see you. Yeah, see, the Holy Spirit's on her now. That's what God will do. And sometimes, folks, we just have to have the courage to step out and to trust what's in here. Just got to do it. It's the only way we're going to learn. Hey, it's the only way. Is it Chris? Chris, I remembered. And Tegan. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. Where's Jasmine? Did she? Okay. It's just we had a private conversation. Anyway, don't, never mind. You see, what, what just happened for Christy there was something that God showed me when I was out walking. I wasn't thinking about Christy as an individual type of person. I'm just listening to this music and I'm out there with God and the Spirit of God came. I felt it. I I know that feeling. And I know when that happens, I really need to get my spiritual ears open and my spiritual eyes open. And as as I'm doing that, and Al Stewart, Year of the Cat's fading into the background because that's how it works for me. And then all of a sudden, this young lady's in my mind and I said, God, what is it that you're wanting to say about her? And you just heard what it was. That's how God works. You with me, church? Are you open to this stuff? See, I think that um, there are some of you that are here that you desperately want what I'm talking about this morning. And you've even experienced it. But you've also been shut down. You've had a bad experience or someone's come and spoken something into your life and kind of just shut you down well 
I can't undo that, but I know that the Holy Spirit can. It's all about him. It's all about what he can do. How are we off for time? We're looking good. Where are my glasses? What pocket did I put them in? Oh, thanks. Thanks, team. Now, now this, this has fallen off. Isn't that just typical? So we'll just pop that in there. There we go. There we go. That's all good. Just want to wind this up. Or wind it down. Make every effort to keep the unity of the, of the Spirit through the bond of peace. See, unity is the prerequisite to the Spirit of God manifesting in power. Because God's Spirit cannot come in power. His, his, his positional presence will be there because He's in us. But that manifest presence, wherever there is division, God is on the sideline. He's just sitting there, like, what are they going to do next? He's not going to move sovereignly when we are in willful disunity. It's not going to happen. You can read that right through the Scriptures. We've got to be unified in purpose uh, and, 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 um, uh, and um, in purpose. In purpose. You know, disunity will quench the Holy Spirit in a heartbeat. How many of you know that to be true? Yeah. Uh, it's what Jesus meant when he uh, said in Mark 3:25, "A house divided itself will divided against itself will not stand." So we cannot afford to be divided against one another. There was a word that came out in the prayer meeting, pre-service prayer meeting this morning, about um, uh, um, some some folk um, need to repair some relationships, some restoration needs to take place within this congregation here. That word came out in the pre-service prayer meeting, Robert, am I right? Yes, it did. Well, can I encourage you? I don't know what the issues are, and I don't really care to know. I've got my own issues to deal with. don't want to deal with yours. But if that's you, put it right. Put it right. Go and be reconciled to that person and it doesn't mean that you have to score points or you end up being he's right, you're wrong, or you're wrong, and they're right, all that stuff. It does, it's not like that. Just go and put it right with them. You might not necessarily agree on the outcome, but at least agree to disagree. Move on. Just move on. But put it right. Because one thing is for sure, if you don't, and you desire for God to work through you and, and, and use you, he will finger that issue before he does anything. Put it Right. This microphone thing is going to fall off soon. I might just have to hold it. You see, before the Holy Spirit came or could come, they were unified in prayer and purpose. Verse 2 says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, for those of you um, that are here, I want you to hear this, uh, that, that have an issue with people speaking in tongues. If that's you, that's fine. My job is not to convince you differently. That's the Holy Spirit's job, so I'll let him do it. But please understand this. 
Um, when the Holy Spirit came and rested upon each one of them, and it seemed like uh, uh, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, please note, their hair didn't suddenly burst into flame. That's not what happened. So you can relax. It says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. They had no reference for it. What seemed to be tongues of fire was the only way they could describe what they were seeing. That's all that means. So if the Spirit of God were to come upon you in that way, your hair will be fine. <laughs> Seriously, it will be. God's not going to hurt you. And in that event marked two changes from what the people had known and experienced previously. Number one, that the Holy Spirit would not just come on people, but he would come in to people. And number two, this is the neat one, his presence would be permanent and not temporary. Do you believe that? What's your name? Jane. Hi, Jane. Welcome. Have we met Sort of in passing. Nice to meet you. Welcome. See, church, there's no question that something remarkable was taking place. Yeah? Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. This was the Holy Spirit, folks. This was God saying to them, I'll paraphrase it, here I am, church. Here I am, people. I meant what I said to you the other day on Mount Olivet. The promise of the Spirit has come. That's what happened then. And it was a corporate manifestation. It was a corporate impartation. Miriam, which I know is really important on your spirit. It was an impartation. And folks, we need the Spirit of God to impart on us and into us so that we can be everything that He designed us to be. And some of you are sitting here this morning, you know, you, you want all that God has got for you, but there's this kind of stop sign up, God, you can go that far, no further. Don't let that be you today. Make a decision in your own head and heart and say, you know, God, today I'm going to give it another crack. I'm going to give it another go. I'm going to trust you just one more time. Just one more time. Did God give you a word when you went out there, John? Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm actually making my way over to you, so you better be ready, and please, please don't make a fool of me. I'm walking on water here, mate. Stay with me, buddy. You see, something else that Hannah said in her message last week. See, I take notes. When the guest preaches, I'll take notes and, and just refer to them because it's God speaking. She said this, When God asks us to step out in faith, it's an invitation in ways that are always going to be good for us. Always. God is not about hurting people. He's not about harming people or trying to make a fool of you or, or somehow damaging you in some particular way. We do that. God doesn't. He always, when he calls us for something, it's always in ways that are going to be good for you. So what did God say? What did God show you? What did he show you? Well, when? Ever? This morning? Did God give you something? Not this morning. That's fine. 
That's fine. Why not? <laughs> ah, so hang on, church. Hang on. So you do have a word for somebody and you want to give it to them privately. Well, that's all you had to tell me. <laughs> this is not difficult. <laughs> Malcolm, how's your neck, mate? Is it sore? Is it a wee bit? I'd love to pray for you at the end of the service. And if you want to know what that's all about, ask him after the service. Okay. Okay, church, just a couple of minutes and we'll, be, we'll land this thing. I can't remember where I was. Oh, here we are. Um, if you're afraid of what God might do, please understand this. The early church, in my opinion, and it's the reason why I believe they were in the upper room, because they were afraid too. They were hiding up there. They didn't get into the upper room, open up the windows and shout out to the Roman soldiers, here we are, here we are, everybody. No way. They shut themselves in the upper room. It tells me there must have been a level of fear there. And, and that would be reasonable because their life was on the line. But while they're up there being afraid, they still prayed. And here's what I want you to hear. Peter, the same guy who denied the Lord not once, not twice, but three times to his face. Not once, not twice, but three times. That Peter... He comes down, and the power of the Spirit, this once afraid man, he comes down full of the Holy Spirit, preached the gospel message, and 3,000 people come to faith on that day. We don't know what happened the following day or the day after that, but on that day, 3,000 people came to faith. This is the same Peter that denied Jesus previously three times. This is the same Peter that's hiding in the upper room before the presence of the Holy Spirit come and empowered him. You know what I find intriguing about that? Really, this, is, this just blows me away. It's that's the same Peter with all of his failures and fears that God used to preach the first sermon in the early church. That's recorded here in history. He used him. So here's the deal. If you're here this morning and you feel like a failure, welcome to my world. God wants to use you. See, fear is the enemy of faith. Do not allow fear to contain your life. Do not allow fear to shut you down. Do not allow fear to lock you in the corner. Because it will, if you allow it, don't allow it. If you failed in the past, guess what? So have I. But now I'm pastoring this church. Well, interim pastoring this church. Who would have known? Who would have known? And what is God wanting to do with you in this next season? We're nearly there. Just a couple of other things. Can I have the music team up, please? Thanks, Abex. See, the Holy Spirit is here now, folks. And he's here for purpose. He's here for a reason. He's not here just to fill a space. He's here to empower, to encourage, to build, to restore, to renew, 
He's here to give gifts and to reignite um, dormant gifts. That's a word for some of you. Dormant gifts need to be reignited. Um, One Corinthians twelve eleven actually says, "He gives gifts where he sees fit." It's actually his initiative; it's his choice. Now, one of the gifts received when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost for the early church was the believers speaking in other tongues, or actually other languages. Um, for those of you that don't see that, that see that tongues um, began there but finished there and is not a, not legitimate today, that's okay. If that's what you believe. We will still be good friends. I do believe in tongues. I use them myself. But, but if you ha- you're in that position, you believe that it was, it, it, it's had its day, okay, I'll let God work that out with you. But here's what I want you to hear. Tongues are not the only gift or evidence of the Holy Spirit. It was a gift. It was not the only gift but it was a gift. You don't have to speak in tongues to be a fully-fledged Christian. Please note, the believers weren't speaking unintelligible words, gobbledygook, as I said before. They were speaking in other languages, languages that were understood by the 12 different people groups that were there that day. They understood, that group understood what that person was saying. And for your information, if someone here were to speak publicly here in this setting, speak in tongues, if that were to happen, and I hope that it does at some point, if someone were to do that, then all we will do is wait for the interpretation. Hey, Kim, because we want to understand what was said. That's what Paul said, not this Paul, the other Paul, the one that matters the apostle we need to understand it so if there is a someone's got the gift of tongues here and they speak that out publicly don't freak out church just trust your leadership we will guide it we will manage it we will pass to that presence so what I will do is I will say no we're going to wait for the interpretation and I know what you're thinking right now so what if an interpretation doesn't come What a great question. So if the interpretation doesn't come, then I will just say, folks, you need to dismiss that, move on, and we'll just carry on with the service. That's it. What do you reckon, Sophie? What's that? You don't know. (laughs) You see, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came upon you and me, You didn't get just part of him. You got all of him. Bryony just didn't give the gift of tongues to me. He probably gave it to you as well. But whether you operate in it is your personality, desire of your heart, um, whether God really wants you to and he's tapping you on the shoulder. All of those things come into it. And if at the end of the day you say, no, I don't want this, God's not offended. He'll just move on and give it to somebody else. But you're the one that's missed out. So, so that's about tongues. But tongues is only one of many, 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 many multiples of gifts 
that God gives his people. And the gifts are there to build up the body of Christ through the bond of peace. Ephesians 4. So, church, please stand. I have no idea what the Holy Spirit is doing um, in you, but I know what he's doing corporately because he showed me what God is doing corporately here this morning. There is a real sense of... um, um, it's like there's a settledness that's come across the whole of this auditorium. And the settledness is the people in a different, different places of some of the stuff I've talked about because you've had your theology challenged a little bit, and that's a good thing. But I sense a real settledness of peace across, right across the auditorium, which means you're in a good place, you're amongst friends, And if God is tapping you on the shoulder and wanting you to respond in some way, whether it's where you sit, stand, or whether you come down the front, know this, you're in good company, you're in safe company, and God will never do anything for you that is going to harm you or hurt you. He's never going to do that. Does that all make sense? What are we seeing? Zoe? Holy Spirit, that would be a good one. That would be good. So church, we, we're just going to sing the song. And the reason for singing the song is so that we all kind of come onto the same page. That's all. There's nothing magical about the song, wonderful words, but it's just about everyone kind of being on the same page, in the same boat. And then you say, God, what is it that you're saying to me? You know? What are you asking me to do? And that's personal. That's between you and him. And can I encourage you? Don't hold back. Please respond. Please respond. However you do that, ask someone close to you to pray for you. If you don't want to come down the front, there'll be a bunch of us down here that would love to pray with you and for you. Does that all kind of make sense? something. Let me just finish with this. Sorry, Zoe. One more thing. Is that all right? One more thing? Great. Well, you're in charge, you're on the stage, so I want to make sure that you and I are good. (laughs) Just one more thing. When I first came here, and I've said this to a number of people a number of times, and and individuals, my job is not to control the Holy Spirit, nor is your job to control Him. The job of leadership is to pastor the Holy Spirit. Give room for Him to do what only He can do. That's our job. Our job is to create space in an environment that you feel comfortable and confident and safe in. And then I'll let God be God. I'll let him be God. Does that all make sense? So if that's you, we're going to sing the song as the song is as you're singing. If you want to respond in some way, please do that. Other than that, if you're visiting here with us, we'll see you in the cafe. Trenton shouting um, sandwiches for everybody. Um, That'll be wonderful. And we should have a wonderful time. Whatever happens in here, you can take it out to the cafe and carry on. Awesome. God bless. Thank you, Zoe.